Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's old talent. That don't work. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I going to be his boyfriend. Ready? Play. Uh, welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. What was that? That was me, you know, doing that boxer guy. <gasps> welcome to the Madison Square Garden. Wow. I am... Um... I was thrown off by that intro, but anyway, I'm Aldwin. <laughs> I'm Jason, and we wanted to start off the show first by talking about our own tennis play, or lack thereof. Yeah, like, screw all of these famous tennis players that are winning trophies. Like, let's talk about some tennis player, amateur tennis playing for a hot second. Yeah, let's talk about playing for a hot jack piece of poo. <laughs> for Is nothing. That- for fun. For fun. You know what? Okay, so um, those of you that watched our IG story know that this past weekend, Jason played in our winter team tennis semifinal that was halted and paused because of COVID. Um, and yeah, Jay, how did, how did it go? <laughs> so uh, here's what I'll say about that. Um, <laughs> what thoughts and reflections do I have? Well... Thanks for asking, Aldwin. Um, so it was nice to be back and see everybody. I uh, I don't think we've ever shared this on the podcast, but I'm the captain of our team. He is, uh, and a good yeah. captain at that. I try to do my best to communicate with everybody and yeah. bring everybody together. And prior to COVID, we had a social, and that's where Chris was like, this this pandemic is going to be bad. We're going to be shutting things down. <laughs> and sure enough, we did for Chris five is, months. Chris is the all-knowing oracle. Yes, the all-knowing oracle on pandemics. <laughs> and so uh, anyways, I digress. But it was nice to be back and see everybody, um, you know, only half of their face because we're all wearing masks when we come on, mm-hmm. uh, come into the come into the building. But when we get to the court, um, we take them off so it was nice to be there uh what was not nice was to continue my poor play as a doubles player (laughs) oh i okay so just to fill everyone in jason and i play a1 which is the top the highest level of play that you can be part of at winter team tennis and you know we jason and i are a relatively new partnership we started playing I think kind of tinkering around two years ago, but we solidified our partnership last year and we played a two last year and we just, I mean, if I say so myself, mopped the floor with everyone in a two, no offense, just being facts are facts. Facts are facts. We moved up to a one and we had our chances, but it's just, it was just an off season for us. And, you know, I couldn't play this weekend because I had an obligation to work at my friend's store. So I had Tommy, who is another A1 player play in my place. And I am so sad to hear that you guys did not (laughs) play well. We got smoked. So here's the thing. 
Who did you play first of all? So we played Kurt and Bobby. Mm. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I learned is that we do have a listener in Kurt because he doth decide on his serve to take advantage of my backhand. Mm. You so played deuce. I played the deuce side. So Got he it. figured it out, I think, at a certain point that my backhand was something that he should take advantage of. Or he recalled an episode where I talked about that. Sneaky. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, <clears throat> pardon me, the other thing that um, those two both do very well is they lob a mother, mother effer. Oh, hate it. At, like literally every ball was a lob that was just so beautiful. You know, Andy Murray would have been so proud. Oh, man. And you and Tommy, I mean, you and Tommy are excellent at the net. So that must have been really frustrating. We had a few good, you know, points at the net uh, where we were able to put some balls away, but they just kept lobbing. And they, you know, they had some, uh, they have some good volleying as well. So it was, uh, it was not a close match. It was 6-2, 6-1. We got trounced. Oh, man. Jordan, if, you know what, I'm getting into this whole Jordan, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening bit that Jason's introduced as part of like a feature of our podcast. Jordan, our coach, if you're listening, get us on some overhead drills because mm-hmm. for whatever reason the overhead should technically be the most easy the most the easiest shot to hit but i am terrible at overheads i'd rather just share a pole with that shit and do a swinging volley but you know in doubles you need to know how to hit an effective overhead yeah yeah, and that uh, I don't even think an overhead would have worked. That's how good these slobs were. Wow, you're giving them yeah. a lot of credit. I mean, I yeah. don't think that I don't think that they're that good. But I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding, <laughs> and, I'm kidding. And Bobby is a very good, just solid, consistent player, and he's, you know, on on the return of serve and even my return of serve, he was consistently hitting to the back of the court and to the baseline and pushing me back. So. Wow. It was very annoying. Oh, annoying. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know what, though? I was, again, working at the store, and as the matches were being completed, I w- you know, we all have a messenger group, and the so- scores were coming in, and I literally could not even. Okay, I played tennis with Cam this past Wednesday. Cam is a statistician. He loves statistics. And so he's compiled kind of like, you know, what the matchup possibilities would be, whether... So you guys played who, Red? We played Red, yeah. So it was Gray versus Red. And I asked him on Wednesday, I'm like, girl, how is it going to look? Like, what are the... What are the possibilities that Gray could actually win this thing? He's like, listen, girl, it's going to come down to tie breaks because the last two regular season matches that we played, it was literally a point here or there. And motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) So true. There were three super tie breaks that went above the 10 points. Like one was 15-13, one was 11-9, and then, yeah, I think the other one was over 10 points as well, and they all went to Gray. All went to gray. So you know what, dear captain, oh, captain, my captain, like <laughs> congratulations to our team gray for carrying us through into the finals. Yes. Thanks to our B and C contingents for carrying us through. Yeah, you guys played amazing and you kept your freaking nerve. Yeah. So now we're going to come together and we're going to play a team that is clearly, as you and I know, not fun to play at all because they oh. just hit 
the hard serves and they pounce at the net because they're seven foot eleven. Yes, Riddell and Jeremy ha- are. I would like to say are like the Karlovich and Isner of the gay tennis <laughs> tour. It's like fuck. I'm just gonna pick a side because. You know, if they're on fire and they're feeling their serve, like, you really can't do very much. Even blocking their serve. Like, you know, I'm not trying to swing at the ball, but I'm trying just trying to get the ball in. But they're so aggressive that if you don't block effectively, they're just slamming that shit down on Jason's eyeballs. Yeah. And, you know, half of their team isn't even gay. Is Are they not? Allies. J- Jeremy's an ally, yeah. Jeremy's an ally, and he's been an ally ever since I knew him so yeah so yeah. he can play this weekend I guess yeah okay so <laughs> you know what Jay listen we're gonna go and play at 7 30 on Saturday in the finals at the very like the very you know at the very least we got a little finalist medallion and I say that we just go for it let's just we go just gotta just gotta go for our shots get that first serve back as best we can yeah balls to the wall because I mean, we've lost to them breadsticks this season, and then <laughs> I don't know. I think we maybe had six two or something in a set. It was yeah. It's been demoralizing. Yeah. So let's get demoralized one more time <laughs> this weekend. Okay. Okay. But count. But count on our B's and C's. Yeah. Get Who us that. A's? Get us that trophy. <laughs> I know you and I actually have to have a discussion next year about what level <laughs> we're going to play. <laughs> yeah. Are we gonna stay at A one? I mean, we have to try to improve so maybe we have to stay yeah i mean uh, to be honest with you i played with jeffrey uh earlier today and he has let me in on some insider information and i know jeffrey is an avid listener of our podcast so he's going to be titillated to know that we mentioned him but there's going to be some movement there's going to be some people that are looking to move up into a1 that feel like they deserve it and you know if they've if the results have showed it even during this time of covid then go for it honestly i don't think that it would be a bad idea for us to move down to a2 um well as long as we're playing together you know and we're 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 learning how to play with each other i think that's kind of the most important and then we can earn our spot back in a1 mm-hmm. i think And so you've been playing a lot more and we got to play Friday night and you trounced me there as well. Okay. Can, sorry. All of our listeners know what a basket case I've been with this forehand. You know, (laughs) if you have been a dedicated listener from the jump, you know that this forehand has caused me so many tears. You don't even fricking know. I had a turnaround moment where I watched the men's U S open final and I saw Team and his obviously incredible forehand. And I said to myself, you know what? Just hit the fucking forehand like Team. Accelerate on the ball. Don't slow down. Have a full follow through. And you know what? Let the chips fall where they may. I literally had that moment. And I, again, you're, you're going to get to know me as being a very spiritual person. I was like, I, I, I gave it up. I, what's the word? I, um... Blessed and released. I bl- thank you. I blessed and released, and I swear to God, I played. I think the first person that I practiced this with was Ryan, and I all of a sudden knew how to hit a forehand. So going to our match two nights ago, I mean, there's a there was a lot of things that were just not right about that. It was like at night, it was freezing cold. It was your first time playing outside, you know. So I mean, it wasn't definitely your day. All I truly wanted to focus on in that match was hitting a forehand consistently and I felt 
so confident. Like I can now hit a forehand and like knock on the closest piece of wood. I played Jeffrey tonight and I'm like, oh my God, I'm still hitting it. So I am in kind of like tennis heaven right now. Like I don't care whether I lose. I just am so happy that I'm hitting a functional forehand period. Well, hopefully hope the heavens will come down on, <laughs> on Jeremy and Riddell on Saturday when we play them in doubles. And yeah. That forehand's still kicking. I'm excited. I want to hit that whippy forehand like v- Vondrusova. <laughs> Vondrusova. It's, so it's not Vondrusova. It's Vondrusova. Vondrusova, I think. I, I mean, saw that whippy forehand against um, Svetolina. I was like, dang, girl. I know. See, that's the thing. When you're a left-handed person, you, are, you already have... Um, an edge on anyone that you play because the spin is the opposite way. You pull them off the court. You're hitting to what most, what would be most players' weaker shot in the backhand, and uh, fuck, just take advantage and stop being a dumbass, Aldwin. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a good segue to talk about the women and the Rome? When yeah. in Rome? When in Rome? Okay. Okay, before we go into Rome, I did have a question for you. So, you know, Jay and I have again done our due diligence we do host a tennis podcast we've been watching tennis until our eyeballs have exploded with rome beginning literally days after the u.s open like were you over it were you like oh i need a break i was a little bit over it to be honest i think i i taped all of it and then i bailed like probably on the first two days i think that the match that i really wanted to watch was Sinner versus Sitsi Pass, which I got to watch. So, um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't pay attention really until the round of sixteen. Yeah, I, I think like you, so much energy had been expended providing analysis of the U.S. Open, watching the players' IG stories every day. As you know, Jason and I, actually more me, obsessively do, messaging players, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I got to a point where I'm like, you know, usually there's a week break between Masters and Grand Slams for players to obviously recoup, but no, those players that exited the U.S. Open took that flight and they, they didn't look back. They went yeah. straight... They went straight over to Rome and they're like, we're going to practice on clay. I'm like, I can't even keep up. Like, give me a minute. I need a nap. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you make a comparison to tennis players and podcasters, you and I are the team and Zverev of podcasters because we (laughs) were beat down. We're <laughs> we're hack we're hacking backhands, not slicing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, I admittedly I got more into the the WTA end of Rome mm. just because I thought uh, I was looking forward to some of the the matchups you know Azarenka versus Mugu yeah. um so I was following Mugu and she was playing really well you sorry you weren't interested in watching Azarenka versus <laughs> Venus in the first round <laughs> I missed that I missed oh, that no, completely sorry. I I tried to I I thought about it and then by the time I got to it and I had you know work work to do it was already day two I think or the end of day two and I was like Mm-mm. yeah I mean Venus didn't have a shot but anyway go ahead yeah and then um so yeah I mean that's that's sort of where it ended up for me yeah I mean similarly um I was also I also had tennis fatigue but 
I think what really got me into this clay court warm feeling was watching matches on center court and all of the faux statues of David <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with their balls and, you know, badonkadonks hanging out watching the, the tennis ce- matches. Do you mean the center court or the the sort of uh, set in court that has like the marble <laughs> seating around? Marble That's, seating? Yeah, it's got like a, it looks like a little mini coliseum, but it has the statues like you're talking about around the end. I don't think that's the stadium court. I okay, I the the court that I'm speaking of has three statues and uh it the statues don't look like they're kind of in like at court level. They're at the like the court is, you know, obviously at the bottom and then at the top at the top of the stairs where the the spectators are at their furthest, that's where these statues are. So, yeah, I, I don't think know if that's, that's one of the outer courts. Got it. Yeah, I do love that court. I agree yeah, with you. It's awesome. Yeah, and you know, as we as I watched the players arriving in Rome, that was one of their main comments. They're like, "Oh my gosh, we're in Rome. Oh my gosh, look at those statues of David and <laughs> the the berries and you know the little penis, the little peni, penis." <laughs> <laughs> so that's what got me into. Rome, but I'd have to say that the match that really got me kind of going was the Azarenka Kenin fiasco. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to watch that. I really wanted to, but then I saw the score. I was like, I, I, you know, it was probably one of those moments where I was paying attention to our IG and I saw the score line, or you had posted a story or something and I happened to catch it and I was like, you mother effer. But, um, yeah. It's, Love and love. Yeah, you know, I, I I assume that I know everything about you, like not only as my BFF, but like, you know, just in terms of tennis. But what I actually am learning about you is that you are a fan of Kenan. Mm-hmm. You like her. I think you like her clean ball striking. I, th- I like, yeah, it's very clean. It's, it's often difficult. I think I said on a previous episode, it's often difficult to know where she's going to hit the ball. And that's one of the things you have to appreciate about Halep as well. She, you often don't know where she's going to strike the ball. And she, she has a really interesting strategy of going behind the players. Mm. But um, yeah, I like, I like Kennan's feistiness. I like that she's young, um, but yeah, she's not obviously playing very well, but you, you informed me a little bit about that match being closer than the scoreline indicated. Yeah, I mean, Kenan even said on her IG the day after, like, you know, it was one of those matches where nothing seemed to work for her, but she was in, like, the vast majority of the games. The the games went to deuce very often. But, you know, when you're an Australian Open champion, you play Azarenka and you get double bageled, you have to give the kudos over to Vika. And the one kind of point of analysis that I forgot to share with you um, from the last episode the what what Vika does so well is she redirects a cross court ball like no one else when she gets a cross court ball and she redirects down the line that is like the beginning process for her to open up the court and she did that so well and has been doing that so well and obviously is indicative of her win in double bagels against Kennan so she just kind of was doing her thing and 
I mean, think about it. Vika won Cincy, although she didn't play a final. She lost to Osaka in the final of the U.S. Open. Now is in Rome. You would imagine that as a mom with her little cute Leo running around, she's like, just give me a match under my belt and like, I'm good. But this girl went all the way to the quarters. Mm -hmm. And who did she play in the quarters? She lost to uh, Mugu. the round before that. <laughs> before the quarters? I was trying to tee you up, but it didn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, she lost to Mugu, and even then it was a tough three-setter. That match was excellent, although it was weird. They they were There were moments in the match where they just traded games where they were playing poorly and the other was playing well it took a while for them to sort of settle in and both be playing well mm. um but yeah they i think in the second set or the third set they just kept trading breaks as you know that's sort of sometimes wta style <laughs> to be honest to trade breaks back and forth but yeah um yeah mugu mugu had a great tournament i think that this was this showed that she is pretty prepared for Roland Garros but I you know I want to kind of hand it off to you because you have such a love fest for Halep Halepe Halepe (laughs) I mean she's partially my people not because she's a white woman but because my (laughs) my grandfather was Romanian my adopted grandfather was Romanian Mm -hmm. so I have a little soft spot for her she's a little nugget and she just she has how can you say she she has un um unexpected power i would say in her ball striking yeah and as i was saying she she just knows how and where her opponent's going to go to strike the ball to hit a winner like and she, for her stature and her size and the how hard she hits the ball you you wouldn't be expecting how many winners that she hits in a match but she yeah. often hits more winners i would say than her opponents just because she knows where she knows the geometry of the court and where her opponent's gonna go wow oh my god bud call is bud collins dead <laughs> i think so and dick Emberg. frick okay mary carilla sorry you gotta retire and give jason patterson your job because that analysis about the angles of the court oh my god like think of beauty there <laughs> But I agree with you. I mean, like Halep has an unassu- has unassuming power. You wouldn't think that so much power would come from her, but she has incredible anticipation and she has phenomenal athleticism. Like I think back to her Wimbledon uh, victory over Serena, where she routed her two and two. She hit some insane balls at such weird body positions. But like you said, she just knows how to hit the ball and get it back and hit a winner. And I mean, if anyone had doubts about her, her possibility of winning a what second Roland Garros, did she win? Mm -hmm. Just one, just one. She's been to the final a few times. I mean, let's not even talk about Ostapenko. That should have been hers. Like (laughs) (laughs) Ostapenko who, but um, yeah, she looks good for the French. I think. Yeah, I agree. So do you think she is the favorite? Ooh. Well, I mean, we did talk about the fact that, you know, Osaka has recently come out and said that she is not playing the French Open because she has an injury. She's, uh, I think, nursing her hamstring injury. Nursing her? 
Yeah, so I don't know if it got worse or, but yeah, she's gonna take you, take a break. Okay, let's get real for a second. You th- you really think she's nursing her hamstring injury, or is she like drinking Alize out of that U.S. Open trophy with her boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Alize, not Alize Cornet, like the the, the liqueur. <laughs> the li- <laughs> exactly, <laughs> the liqueur. I mean, it could be Alize Cornet if they're into that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Menage but, à trois. <laughs> Do I okay? Do I think that she's the favorite? I think yeah. I think she's. I wouldn't say that she's the clear favorite, but you know, Azarenka has put some miles on her body. I think that Azarenka is going to do well at the French Open, but Halep has the fresher legs. I actually think it's going to be Halep and or Mugu. Mugu looked yeah. good to me. Yeah, I mean, I think going into the French Open, you have to sort of pick Halepe, <laughs> Mugu. And Azarenka as sort of the three women to watch. Are there other sort of <laughs> dirt ladies that you would put into that bucket of like to add a fourth or fifth? Or is, ah. is Serena someone that we're forgetting that we should always sort of lump in there? You know what? I'm starting to, based on Serena's performance and play at the U.S. Open, I think, you know, the the argument that never counts Serena out is starting to wane a little bit in my opinion because she used to have and I think she does still have that fighting spirit but she definitely has not executed and shown that especially this season so you know the old adage of never count Serena out I actually think doesn't apply to the French Open you know I I really don't think of her as a contender to be honest with you so Ooh. yeah sorry serena fans and just being honest um, yeah i think um to your point to add another perhaps layer obviously she has made four grand slam finals and she made the u.s open semi-final she lost at that stage each time mm-hmm. and you know some of what i've heard commentators say is probably true which is that players don't have the same fear that they used to have of her mm. when they saw her on the other side of the net so and as Azarenka definitely would not have had that even though she had never beaten her in a grand slam so it'll be interesting to see uh what happens obviously she's won it four or five times so she's definitely a contender but uh to your point she's she's a different player at the moment yeah, and let's not forget, like, the French Open is uh, the clay court grand slam. It favors a certain type of player. Serena is aggressive. She has a crazy, ser- as our best friend Jeannie said, the best shot in tennis of all time in that serve. And the clay neutralizes that. You have to be physically, and I'm not saying that Serena isn't physically fit, but she doesn't have the advantage of her, you know, her strength to kind of, power her through the early rounds it's a grinders tournament pcb uh, mm-hmm. uh, rba all those spanish <laughs> players that grew up on la terre battue are going to be the ones that favor are, are going to be favored and halep is part of that equation the one name that i want to throw in the hat is von drusova von drusova as we know made the final um was it last year no yeah it was last year in the french open at the french open she did she lost to barty remember Oh, the, the body, body party. Putty. The body uh, patty. Body patty. The body patty. I don't remember that. I also didn't remember that Body was a Grand Slam champion. Oh my God! You I'm know just what? Kidding. <laughs> she, 
She, all of our Australian fans that are listening are probably so mortified that we don't even remember her. But I mean, it's because she has she isn't playing. When she starts to get, you know, back into the swing of things, we'll start talking about her. Anyway, yeah. I wanted to throw in Von Drusova because I thought she looked really good at in in Italy. She used that again lefty hook forehand and I think that she's going to do well. Period. Point blank and the period. And the period. Period. Pl- okay. Plish- sorry, I sorry. Before we go, I know we're we're talking about women's tennis a lot, but just had to throw it in there. Question for you, Pliskova. Do we care? I mean, she's injured. <laughs> she. <laughs> I mean, I always wonder why we should care about her. <laughs> I mean, Same. I watch her play. I watch her play. You know, there's not much variety there. She's obviously got a, a lot of power off the ground. And if her serve's working, I guess she's <laughs> a contender. But I was watching that match, and I, you could tell, obviously, she was hobbled. She, was, she wasn't really into it. But I just, I don't enjoy watching her. Yeah, I... I mean, I like her forehand, but you're right. She's very one-dimensional. So, mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, sorry... Not Christina, Carolina. We just are not into you, and not yet, anyway. But we like your tattoos. Yeah, and we like the fact that you're a twin sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Keep, so, uh, keep, you know, keep working on that. Yeah. So I would not include her as part of the equation. No, she she's not a favorite for sure. Not a favorite. So over to the men. Do do we think anyone other than Joko is going to be the French Open champion? Well, I mean, we have to throw Rafa in there. I mean, if we if we said that, you know, just to contrast and compare, the, I, I believe that the whole Serena coming back argument, never count Serena out, is no longer valid. But I do still think that's valid for Rafa. You know, I th- I, I think that he... I think that he... I think that him and Joko are the ones to to, to look at. So when you talk about the match with Schwartzman, which Ooh. we can talk a little bit more about, and well, I guess I'll give away the farm. He lost that match. If <laughs> you are under living under a rock <laughs> or a or a marble col- coliseum or something under some berries and nuts. Yeah, exactly. So did you think that the lack of fans and the presence of crickets? <laughs> made it challenging for Nadal to find his own energy and his own momentum to come come turn that turn that corner and turn that match around. I okay, when you asked me that question, I do I had to reflect and I had to ask myself the question, does Rafael Nadal feed on the crowd? A hundred percent he does. He pumps his up, he pumps his up, he pumps <laughs> himself up like no other. You know, he definitely plays to the crowd. So I definitely think that that was a factor. Um, sorry, what was your original question? Do I think that... Do you him- think it, the outcome might have been different if there were fans there, basically? Uh, no, I don't I don't really think so. I mean, I, again, only watched the match highlights. from, But from what I watched, Diego played very well. He clearly had a very focused strategy. He had never won against Nadal before. So he came in with... You know, a more aggressive. I think, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rally with this guy from the back court. He was definitely more aggressive, so he definitely was more focused in that respect. Um, no, I think, I think Nadal just played a level down, and he played someone that was playing a level up, and so mm-hmm. the score kind of in, indicated that. 
Yeah, and we're all about level up on this podcast. Level up, boo. Level up, boo. So um, one player that I encouraged you to watch and you said you did was Sinner. Yes, I did watch Sinner. And like he's one to watch, no? Don't you think? I do. He's like a he's like a gangly um it Italian, right? Italian, yes, he's Italian. Italian. I was gonna say Australian. <laughs> Not Australian. He's like a gangly, easy power um Italian player. And um, I, I mean, he had a couple of really good wins, did he not? He beat. Uh, he, he beat Sitsi. That's right. What the frick, man? Sitsi. Come on, Sitsi. What's Sitsi your deal? Looked, I mean, Sitsi looked like a hot mess, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, he won. Sitsi came back and won the second set, but he sort of fell apart in the third. What do, What do you love about Sinner's game that you think is going to take him to the upper echelon of our sport? I mean. Our sport, <laughs> the upper echelon of our club play at Mayfair, <laughs> um, like the I mean, worst of the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, what you said sort of is true in in his description, in that he is sort of tall and gangly, and you wouldn't really expect him to have the assets that he has on the court. Like you would think, if a stiff wind came, he would blow over. Like he's that <laughs> sort of tall and thin, but how hard he hits the ball is so impressive and where he can place the ball on the court. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, and I just like his sort of energy and his demeanor. Mm. And obviously he's young. He's only like 19 or 20. So he's w- another one of these guys that I really uh, enjoy watching his matches and I want to see him more. I forget who he beat in the uh, first round and he lost to, um, uh, Dimitrov in the third round in mm. another three setter. So, another close match, but I, I think he'll be one that I'll be watching at the French Open. Yeah. Um, do you like what? What do you? What kind of? Um, just going back to Sinner's demeanor. Like, does he get fired up? Does he get emotional? Or is he kind of just like you know? Because when you're younger, you. I mean, I think about Chapo, for example, because Chapo and him are kind of in the same age range. Like, Chapo is definitely a showman. Like, I think about Monfils. Like, but I get the sense in watching the match highlights with Sinner is that he he, he is more of like, I'm going to construct a point instead of hit a crazy, flashy ball. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's a bit more thoughtful on the court, and his demeanor is a bit... Um... Yeah, he, he gets pumped up, but a bit more quietly compared to Chapo, who's who's shouting, come on. Yeah, I know. You yeah. you you notice that Chapo and I have the same kind of come on. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. Stay in this. Come on. <laughs> you also, um, you know, sidebar going back to our play, you've also developed this um, grunt. And I know some professional. Yes. Yeah. So you, you have developed this. He's, <laughs> all, so Aldwin has developed this new grunt. And, you know, you know, he's going for the pro grunt when the the grunt actually comes out <laughs> a minute, a minute and a half. Oh, sorry, not a minute and a half, like a second and a half after he's hit the ball. You know what? The grunt <laughs> is an integral part of the shot because it helps me with muscle memory. And so, you know, those players, I think particularly players that play on clay, you know, they hit the ball and they go eh, after yeah. like a little yeah. exhale after it helps me like set up the ball and then, you know, 
the the eh at the end is like the release. So <laughs> I've been practicing that grunt to the dismay of all of the people at the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> playing next to me. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's it goes a little bit like. <laughs> okay, it's not <laughs> that's dramatic. It's not exactly like that, but you know what? I might be <laughs> I might be wrong. But that you're you we'll record you next time. <laughs> you are right. That is kind of like my grunt now. <laughs> so uh you're a sinner on the court as well with that grunt, but Yes. Um so he was one I enjoyed watching, but there, there was a few good matches on the men's side, obviously. And we're going to talk about Chapo, I think, a little bit later. But uh, Djokovic won the title. But I did want to talk uh, briefly about the incident in his semifinal with Casper Ruud. It wasn't an incident, really. It was just him being right and him arguing his, his point about a couple of line calls where the umpire needed glasses and could not see the mark um, <laughs> but Hawkeye saw it as out and Djokovic saw it as out and the umpire was calling them in but the umpire's vote goes on uh, on clay court so I just wondered your thoughts on how this could be perceived for him uh, mm. as as somebody who just came off throat punching <laughs> with a ball the line swimming Frick, at the US woman. Open yeah, I know, know. Okay, let's just set it up for our listeners. So uh, I think it's important to mention that uh, at the French Open and at the Italian Open that Hawkeye is on display for viewers at home. And I actually even believe on the big screen, right? On the Jumbotron or no? Mm -hmm. No. Just just for viewers. Yeah, they only... um... If there seems to be a questionable call while they're calling the match, they will either, you know... Um, show they'll have the the Hawkeye used off camera and not really show it on the screen or sometimes they'll actually show it on the screen so there was uh, three instances in this match where um, Djokovic was complaining about the umpire not seeing a mark and a couple of times he came off the chair I think twice he came off the chair and once he didn't but all three times Djokovic was right because during the commentary um, from the ATP folks, uh, they were able to use the Hawkeye and see that Djokovic was right. Mm. Okay. And some of the points were crucial, and it's a semifinal. Yeah, so, okay, so again, the point there is that we at home see the benefit of the Hawkeye technology, but the Italian Open and the French Open, you know, they do it the old school way where the umpire has the final say. And, you know, I was talking about this with Jason there are so many balls that land on the court how do they even i mean it is the it is their job it is the umpire's job to know every single ball and where it lands but to your original question of how that might how people might view djokovic's you know questioning of the balls i mean i think he's under a lot of scrutiny clearly his behavior has was obviously a terrible and not the best at the U.S. Open. Johnny Mack did say on record that he's now going to be forever known as like kind of like the bad boy of tennis. I forget what he called him exactly. But I mean, you're still a tennis player at the end of the day. And like you are, if you think that you have a legitimate, you know, discussion or 
call out on a particular ball, I think he should do that. But I do think that people are now looking at him with a bit of a side eye. Like, mm-hmm. what is this guy thinking? What is he complaining about now? What is, what is he gonna his s- intentions? Yeah. Yeah. What are his intentions? And I don't know. Do, do you think that he cares? Do you think he cares what people think about him? I mean, I think there's a little bit of uh, of him caring. Perhaps maybe that's why he does the hard thing every after every match. He Ugh. wants he wants that love. <laughs> Ugh. I'm mean, just so over ill. Yuck. <laughs> but um, you know, at the end of the day, in this particular instance, it didn't really matter because he won the match and he won the tourney. Um, we did. We sort of um, moved along from Diego, but yeah, he did play well. That Diego Schwartzman, even the, at five six, in the final. The final, yeah. I didn't yeah. watch the final. Did you? I didn't watch the final either. I was like, again, just uh, tennised out, but. Djokovic winning the final is not really a surprise to me. And I think that, you know, you throw a couple names in the hat for the French Open next week. Djokovic, I think that Djokovic is more of a favorite than Nadal is. What do you think? I think so. I mean, based on the fact that he hasn't lost a (laughs) match-ish all year. (laughs) I like that post. Yeah. Very... Very smart. <laughs> Undefeated-ish. <laughs> yes. Pablo Carreña Busta got him once. Yeah. What is... Okay. Honestly, let's just have a, a, a straight-up heart-to-heart here. What the frick is it about Joko's game that makes him such... So invincible. I mean, I, I think we should have Steve I as a guest because Steve I, our friend from Chicago, is... I actually wanted to talk about this on the podcast, but I don't e- remember exactly what he said. Joko won Italy, and Steve I posted something on Facebook like, are we going to put an asterisk next to this win? <laughs> and just like all of the haters came out. <laughs> yeah. You know, he likes to he likes to goat the haters for sure. But, you know, I watched Joko, and I mean, Joko doesn't seem like he has, maybe that's what it is. He just doesn't seem like he has any weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. it? Yeah, I think he, you know, obviously he gets to every ball. He's a backboard. Uh, he places the ball well, and he's just very consistent. If he's, if his serve is on, he's unbeatable. I think where his weakness is is maybe coming to the net, but even volleying, he's he he's good when he sort of gets there in enough time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, he I, I think you're right to say that he's probably a step above Nadal in terms of being the favorite for the French Open. Yeah. Would you liken his game to like Halep? I mean, in that in that way that like there's not, not anything particularly spectacular. Like, you know, for example, you think about Naomi Osaka, you think number one forehand. That forehand bludgeons people to death. But mm-hmm. you don't really think about that with Halep. Like I think that Halep and Joko are, are similar in that they don't have any glaring weaknesses. Mm-hmm. No, I th- I think uh, Djokovic has a better return of serve than any probably anyone ever. So. Oh, okay. Look at you, boo. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I have to say about that. Okay, all right. So I think we we also wanted to talk about Chapo, and Chapo made a sem another good run into the semis after his quarterfinal appearance, and you know, <laughs> losing in five sets at the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. And he had another sort of heartbreaking loss to Schwartzman in the third set tiebreak. Yeah, 
Shapo Shapo is like the Azarenka of the men's tour. He is getting deep into those draws. The night train is chugging along and is drip dripping along. <laughs> is drip dripping along, and the transition for him from hardcore to clay has been spectacular. I mean, where Felix lost in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was on a flight to Hamburg right quickly. Right. Is that that's the next tournament? That's the tournament that started today. Oh, okay. Wait, is it women's and men's or just just men's? It's just men's. Yeah. Dang. I wonder what the women are playing. I should really check that out. So Chapo uh, is now in the top ten. Yes, I saw that Tennis Canada posted. He's made his breakthrough into the top ten, and deservedly so. Yeah, he's playing really well. Um, but as you and I know, he has a second job. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I wanted to assess whether his second job will also get him into the top 10, like okay. on the Billboard charts. On um, Wow. I, you know what? My level of being impressed with you never, like, it doesn't surprise me anymore. You're just pulling out all these analogies left, right, and center. Okay, so what Jason is obviously referring to is that Chapo has, like, a shadow career other than being a tennis player. He is a rapper. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a- and and this is something we meant to talk about like a, a, a bit ago, <laughs> but you know it's probably good that we waited because you know the drip drip keeps coming because he's got a second track out. Yeah, with the cutie with the booty quarantaine mouté. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know what? Okay, you covered Night Train first. That was his first official single that he dropped during the U.S. Open. And um, for those of you that have not heard the lyrics, Jason has done a lovely analysis to some degree of Chapo's. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really I didn't really do an analysis per se. (laughs) I just actually I wanted to give you all our (laughs) listeners of the Ready Play Tennis podcast a dramatic reading of (laughs) some of the lyrics. I'm so Um, excited. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm going to skip through the first verse and just start right at the second. And I'm just going to night train. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm just going to start at the second verse. Okay. Okay. We're listening. Are you, are you ready, everyone? Okay. Here we go. Ready? Play. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This a mismatch. Why don't you just sit back? I've been in the ring while these motherfuckers chit chat. On top like a snapback. Sitting in the wing, God said I'm dried out, let me go back. Cause I'm always in control like a pro. Going fast while they all stuck in slow mo. <laughs> Slower than a Rari, that's a no no. <laughs> Sorry. That's a no-go. Swoosh on my feet. That's the low-go. <laughs> Built for the action like a GoPro. Try and make time for all the photos. How am I doing? Ooh. Billboard Sorry, top 10. Here you- that, that was more of a rap. I should just do the dramatic read now. So I'm just going to just read the rest of the lyrics. Okay. OMG, everybody know me. On my way, gotta stay low key. Life's pretty good, every place that I be. What's up? Why he look like me? 
why he dressed like me, walked like me, and talked like me. <laughs> Start a new trend. Everybody copy. <laughs> they all want to bite like they all zombies. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> why? There's I more. I can't. Okay, go ahead. Up in the club, I'm the one they want to see. <laughs> Champagne's in the air because the bottle's on me. Like on him, like he's either wearing it or he's paying for it. <laughs> Rules to the game, but ain't nobody like me. Flow so clean, got me poppin' OCs. Do you know what that means, poppin' OCs? OCs? I must not be cool. The I OCs asked, at Orange County? Maybe. Wade Wade thought it meant over-the-counter, like over-the-counter medications, OCs. Got it. You know, Wade's smart, so I, I would think that he's correct. Yeah. Fly across the pond there and back. Ain't a week where I stay where I'm at. Mm. Nike shipping, <laughs> Nike shipment on the way. New gear every day. God oh damn, <laughs> I ain't even got a pack. Cause I still fly high. See me at the airport. All these stamps, no space in my passport. Oh my god. VIP worldwide. Everybody know me. Ain't no wait at the front door. Welcome to the night train. I've been trying to stay sane. 200 miles an hour in a drag race. All I know is speed. Full blast on the octane. There we go. <laughs> that oh, wait, wait, wait. This is the best part. Okay. So at the you know, most rappers at the end, they sort of say, you know, the weekend out. So he goes... Chapeau, 2020. <laughs> but my vision way better than that. Haha. <laughs> Wait, rewind. But my vision way better than that. Better than 2020. Yeah, better than 2020. You know what that means? You know what that is? That's what, what I call a mic drop. A mic drop. Sorry, a mic drip. <laughs> I... What do I have to say about those lyrics? Listen, I as... Okay, I'm just going to say it out there. Dennis, I have watched your YouTube videos on uh, your practices at the U.S. Open. I have tried to model my forehand, lefty forehand after you. As a teacher with eight years experience under my belt, I think that my former students have probably had better capabilities of creating lyrics than you have <laughs> but you know what i'm not here i am not here to squash your dreams if you think that you can stay in that lane of being a rapper then go for it but all i have to say is this lyric from your latest release called drip <laughs> <laughs> pull up in a new whip every other week dress so fly everybody know me Phone blowing up, I'll depress what I meet. Fuck that, man, I was just about to leave. Said I'm overrated, how far could they see? Took a vision test, couldn't pass line three. Ooh, another vision reference. <laughs> <laughs> Talk so much... This is my favorite. Talk so much shit, they forgot how to pee. <laughs> because it's coming out of both ends. Oh, no, that's good, actually, because, you know... When you do the number two, the number one stops. <laughs> okay, that is too much information. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Let's just finish with, 
thought I told the world not to mess with a G. And G for all you for all of you that don't know means gangsta. Mm-hmm. He, he a gangsta. So you know, <laughs> he he a man of the streets yes. and he a man of excess because he be flying on planes he be popping champagne yes you know what okay listen if he ever invited us to the club and he was giving us some <laughs> bottle service i would not say no no but you know what okay uh, just for everyone to know night train was chapo's first single his second single came out i just referenced called drip Corentin Moutet, the French player, uh, was on also that single. And legit, Corentin is a rapper. He's got, he's a true lyricist. And I wish I had more French, um, more more of that song to cite. But anyway, listen, Chapeau, if you want to go there, go there. I mean, sure. But Corentin, I think, could do the crossover into rap real easy. He had some good flow in that drip drip song. Sorry, yeah. it's just one drip. It's not two drips. It one drip, just one drip. One drip, yeah. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was fun. I feel like we should do more of that. But I think what is clear or perhaps unclear is how how far their takeover of the rap universe is going to be. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm curious to know which... <laughs> I, I had difficulty finding him on um, <laughs> on uh, not Shopify. Help me, help Grandma. What is the streaming Apple service? Music? No, Spotify. Not Spotify. But Where I you found, can also find our podcast. Yes, that's correct. I had difficulty finding him, but I found found him any found him in Corentin anyway. And if you're interested, yes, Night Train and Drip are available on Spotify. And enjoy mm-hmm. <laughs> is all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, he has uh, some other lyrics in Night Train where he's got me feeling like I'm Jay-Z. They all on a mission while I kick it in my crib with my 22 twos. I don't know what that means, 22 twos. With my 22... Like like a two twos? (laughs) I don't know. But 22... So 20 of something that are called two twos. He has twos of a lot of things. So that was one of the earlier lyrics. He's got two two Raris, two... He's a man of excess. He's got two of everything. And, oh, sorry. Can we just go back to his lyric about how he gets Nikes every day? Girl, you get that for free. It's not like you're buying that, okay? Like, you're obviously sponsored by Nike, so that ain't a thing. I mean, because that's what he means. He gets it for free. He, that's how... That's how hot he is. But but don't you want to brag if you got that if you got that shmoney and you're you're paying for all that on yourself, but you're getting it for free. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> we love you, Chapo. Um, you know, keep kicking it, real old school, new school, Canadian style. Um, and you know, bringing in them two checks, not just one. <laughs> Listen, we're so happy that you're in the top ten. And again, we're not here to spoil your dream, but. If you want to be a Grand Slam champion and a rapper at the same time, I say that you win your first Grand Slam and you prepare with a rhyme and just get the crowd into it by dropping a beat. Oh, yeah. I mean, he'll be in. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, let's let's keep it to one top 10 career at a time. Yeah. One one at a time. There's there's space for everyone to be successful. So, I mean, let's just end this by you know, keeping the analogy of the top 10 alive. We hope that in any given week, we're one of the top 10 things that you do. 
yes. in your week. Listening to us, liking us, sharing us, subscribing to us, giving us five star, if not ten star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I think that people have stopped reviewing, but okay just to give some people a little bit of um insight into our podcast we are noticing jason and i that there are so many more viewers coming from so many different parts of the world so thank you wherever you are the philippines um i'm seeing uh where else are we seeing india india the united kingdom like we're seeing the netherlands the netherlands so many people that are finding our podcast organically orgasmically however way you're finding them and so we just want to say thank you for listening Mm -hmm. and on that note we hope you enjoy the next tournament which is hamburg and then i guess we'll do a french open preview next week yeah yeah french open preview excited i think it'll be good because women the women will have taken a break Uh, correct me if i'm wrong but you know i think that you know we'll have a little bit of a breather from tennis like let's dear tennis let's take a breath and then we'll be (laughs) re-energized to do a little french open preview for y'all in the fall isn't that crazy Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the final grand slam of the year i know the french open who would have thunk it who would have thunk it on that note who would have thunk it we'd see you later arrivederci au revoir hey it's your serve If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there? And don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya!